0: The,
1: volume. the Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code RENE, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, one 770 stop for Louisiana, one 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on this show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to uh, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviations abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, Just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. Okay, let's run things all the way back because I remember you coming. I talked about this when I got to do your show many moons ago. Um, But when you came in, we both worked at the score. You were interning at the score when I was there. Um, I believe I saw what was one of your very first on cam moments. Oh, nothing to be ashamed of. It was a moment like you were great.
0: Um, I look like I'm like a 60 year old woman in like my H&M like full suit that I have or like my Susie Shear like full suit where I was like, I am a reporter at the score, <laughs>
1: but I feel like you did a really great job. Like I, I remember it being good. I don't remember it being like, oh my god, what's this girl doing? Like I think it, like I feel like you did a really great job um, when you came in and you were interning at the score. Like you were just so eager to learn. You wanted to be that sponge. You wanted to kind of be around everybody and see how everything worked. Um, then I left. and moved away. I did all these things. What was your next step after the score?
0: Well, first of all, my internship was, I feel like, like just basically make a wish for me to like be there because I was doing, um, my master's in England at the time. And so we got three international internships and I was like, cool. I want to do one when I come home to Canada for Christmas. And I was able to in the month of January, but it was not like I was part of Ryerson or like Seneca or Western or anyone that had like a program with the score. It was just like, Julie's coming from England and she wants to like intern here. And so I just kind of like, whatever, went around and hung out with people and would go on watch shoots. That's where I met Adnan too. And like, obviously cabbie and like seeing all these people. And it was just cool to kind of like be in and around it. And then I went back to England, finished school there and then, yeah, decided to come back To Canada because I interned at CBC's London Bureau, which was so cool, like to be, you know, you get like doing the British parliamentary election and like all this kind of stuff where Peter Mansbridge was there. He like flew in and and did it. I remember being like, oh my gosh, Peter (laughs) Mansbridge, also super Canadian (laughs) reference here. (laughs) I love
1: it. I love talking Canadian things. It, It really makes me happy and it makes me miss home so much.
0: It's like, yeah, it's kind of funny you forget that like, uh, I have Peter Mansbridge's book and like I talked with him earlier this year, just some career advice and I was like, Man, Spike, that's my boyfriend. I'm like Your
1: boyfriend's name's Spike?
0: Yeah. That's his like nickname, but like that's, what that's he goes by. That's great.
1: That's like some John Hughes shit right there. I know.
0: It is. It's 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 pretty intense. he's the opposite of what that would sound like.
1: So he doesn't ride a motorcycle and wear a leather jacket.
0: No way. He's he's an indoor cat, is what I call him. Um mm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we, but we don't like cats anyway um and and so Peter Mansbridge was like I remember just being like getting all of the confidence I had ever had in my life and there it was like there was a big party for someone's going away party that night and I went up to Peter Mansbridge and I was like hi I'm Julie Swerp-Binks. like I'm interning here big fan would love to be able to help you out while you're here whatever and he was like okay cool well I will need someone to like help me during the election like whatever printing stuff or like as a runner or anything. And it's like, I'm on it. And then my intern boss was like, Julie, you can't just like go up to Peter Mansbridge and like ask him that, like that puts him in a pretty odd position. And I was like, what? Like there's no other interns here. Even it was just like me, (laughs) there's like 10 people in the entire (laughs) bureau, like at all. It's like, no, you're not like, you can't do that. That's just like, not, not cool. I was like, um, aren't we supposed to be like learn these skills of like how to network and like do this kind of stuff, whatever. So Peter was super sweet. He's like, well, listen, when you come back, whenever you come back to Canada, like what do you want to do or anything? I was like, I want to work at hockey night in Canada. And so he introduced me to a woman who still works there, runs hockey night, Kathy Broderick. And I interviewed for like a shot listing position, which is kind of like logging games and I got it. And then, but you know, when you're younger in the industry, like I, I, met at the time the head of hockey night in canada who ironically ended up hiring me for the olympics last year because he works with the olympics now and he's like i remember so well you coming into my office being like i'm here at hockey night in canada like put me on tv i did shit like that all the time
1: i'm obviously ready let's go people are like calm down yeah like i have have a demo
0: reel from a university uh (laughs) interviewed the squash team um i have once you know whatever all this stuff And then he was just like, you know, you should really go work in a town outside of Toronto to get some experience. And I was like, okay. So then I just like sent out 40 packages across the country to like every CBC, global, whatever, from literally Whitehorse to Prince Edward Island's. God, imagine White Horse was the one you went to. Fuck. And after I wrote all of the packages of like my like DVD, personalized cover letter, like picture, all this stuff, I realized I'd put the return address on like the wrong side (laughs) because I'm an idiot because I'm like 23 years old. I remember my friend being like, oh, that's going to look super awkward for them to like get realizing you don't even know how to like mail something. (laughs) Anyway, after sending all of those out, the Only message I got back from 40 networks was one from Medicine Hat that was like, thanks for the package. We're good. Deflating. Yeah. And then then I went, whatever, I ended up actually getting a job at this place called Fox Soccer Report. It was in Winnipeg. And they were like, I just knew soccer because I lived in England and like I could just know soccer even a little bit more than someone else. It was like, "Okay, you know what this is. You can talk the talk at least even a little bit. We'll hire you. And then I was just kind of like, I was in Winnipeg and it was supposed to be an on-air job, but it was very much behind the scenes. Like I wrote people's scripts and I edited everything and I learned so much. You had to write other people's scripts when you thought that you had the on-camera gig? Yeah, but also like I should not have been writing their scripts. Like they knew soccer better than I did. Like I remember one guy and I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. He was so great. He just, he pulled me aside and he was like, Hey, like what questions do you have about soccer and like writing soccer highlights? I was like, I was like, don't tell anybody, but like, what would it be like, say in hockey? Like, you know, you're doing this, what's that in soccer? And he'd be like, okay, it's like this. I'm like, okay, so in hockey, if you do this. What would that be called in soccer? And he just like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, just like
1: freetranslation.com, but hockey to soccer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, that's just like that. How would I write it? Like, how do you guys want me to write it? Blah, blah, blah. So I just, I, I mean, I'm glad I learned like so much with just like how to write it, how to do all that. Um, But yeah, going all the way there, not getting like a sniff on air was pretty bombed out and I just made great friends in Winnipeg and they were like, they're some of my best friends now.
1: You've done so much though. Like it's so crazy. Like, I mean, I, I always love hearing people's stories of like how they get started. And that, I mean, that does feel very similar to like how I was with things like you send out the packages to everybody and you put all this stuff together. You're knocking on every door, like talking to Peter Mansbridge. How do I just, I remember I did something very similar. I was at a Bowmanville Eagles hockey game and Bob McKenzie was there because his son played for the team. He was playing for the Bowmanville Eagles at the time. And yeah, he was there. And I was like, um, how do I get on TV? And he's like, uh, first of all, <laughs> no, he was actually so sweet. He was so sweet and so kind. He, he was great. I mean, I, I actually don't even like remember necessarily like, what that information was. I think he was just, you know, he was being nice because we were in public and I shouldn't have asked him. It was that moment where I kind of put him in a weird spot, but I didn't know any better. And you're you're trying to like find a way to get your foot in. Yeah, you do what you got to do.
0: No, I think it's like at that moment, what are you going to do? You're going to give them one of your cards that you've made like online somewhere and be like, or like ask for theirs and then like email back and forth or something like that. I like the like going out and, and kind of being a little bit bullish with like those situations. And also before we go any further, I remember you remember me doing my And I'll like send you a picture if you put them up, but like, oh my God, what the weird demo that I like asked them to help me make at the score when I was interning, just to like, (laughs) I was like, Peyton Manning threw 36 touchdowns. Like my voice was so high. It's like, I couldn't really like talk any lower. I was really nervous, I think. And you though, and I told you this before, it was like, I first started writing about you when you were at like Bite TV and Spike. And like you left and it was like the job was open. And I remember like submitting something on Craigslist. That's how we did it back in the day. Yeah. On shady
1: little websites. You're like, oh, you need someone on camera. Here I come. Where are we meeting in this back alley for the audition? No problem. Oh, I have to wear a bikini. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's maybe (laughs) rethink it. But
0: (laughs) so true. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is for like. Renee Paquette's show that she's on. Oh my God. And then I got to this like casting thing, which I think is so funny because I was listening to your pod with Jackie and she mentioned like casting thing. Like, this doesn't happen a lot. This just somehow happened for me early on, like the first time. And I see like 500 other women being like audition I was like, shit. And I just also remember that was the first time I ever had like talked about Randy Couture. And then I worked with him this year. I was like, oh man, I had an audition a long time ago. Uh, and you were there, but obviously I didn't get it. But I was always like, oh, Renee. And then I watched your career, but I'd seen you from like all of the crazy stuff you did Were you like skydiving and throwing yourself off of like a mountain. And like, I got paid
1: $50 for that, by the no. way. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I got paid $50. Uh, and that's like, so like, I don't know if, Things are even like that anymore when people are like breaking into the business in that way. But I was so happy to kind of like have my own show. I was producing it as well, which like I didn't even know what that meant at the time that I was like, I guess I'm just going to like go book to do this. What's other crazy shit I can do? But when I was going up to do that and they're like, yeah, I was like, I'm going to go skydiving. And I was on my way up there and Jason Agnew, who was uh, the executive producer at at Bite at the time. he's calling me on my way up. He's like, I don't think this is a good idea. I think that somebody might have crashed and did not survive it at some point. And I was like, I've already committed. I don't know. I'm like on my way. I'm I'm doing this like, yes. Maybe it was one hundred and fifty. Maybe it was more than 50, but it was no it was definitely not more than one hundred and fifty. Um, but I went to go do the skydiving. The best part was that the camera didn't work. So they're like, can you go up and do it again? I was like, Hey, now we're, now we're pushing our luck on that. I'm not going to do it again.
0: Yeah. Now we're entering like really dicey territory of this goes wrong. I always
1: loved those like kind of like bullshit salad days of like doing shows like that when you're just like, you're winging it, you're figuring out who you are, you're, you're trying to like figure out what those next steps are you've got these like big stars in your eyes about like what's the next thing i'm gonna go do and oh my god it's it's always such like a fun cool time kind of getting through all that so you're going through all these things you're auditioning when did the gig with fox come up so you said 2013 that was your first big gig in the in the u.s yeah
0: yeah i was working in regina for two years um as like a reporter anchor and like i still have such vivid memories there of like driving to Weyburn, Saskatchewan at like 9 a.m. on a Sunday because I had to shoot like junior curling somewhere where then like I would have to get those highlights then for like the six o'clock news that then I would do and then we'd do the 11.30 as well. But like the amount of experience I got, like I still look back to it, pine back to it sometimes because of like the hockey connections I made. And I did a documentary on a hockey player, Ryan Murray. He plays currently Colorado Avalanche. He was injured for a lot of the season but like I was on the ice at the end of the Stanley Cup and like I just saw his family and everyone I was like oh my god like I did a documentary on you and your family like 10 years ago to the day it was just like one of those cool things where you can like track back to kind of having that experience and knowing a lot of these guys and like even like the head scout of Tampa on stage like while I was announcing his pick I'm like man I remember like asking you tons of scouting questions back like 12 years ago or something like that. And so those are some cool connections to have. So I did the documentary on Ryan Murray. He was with Octagon, the agency. And his agent, Rick Follett, was the man. He like let me have all access to like go behind the scenes with him, go to every whatever, anything you want. We were actually sitting in the stands with Ryan's family with like a camera. Like we're not allowed to do that. We just were like there. Like, and we would walk into draft rooms and like follow him in with our camera. Like that's not allowed. <laughs> anyway, whatever. We it, and- Here's and- my credential. I know. And I edited it and it felt really great. That was like one of the, actually still to this day, one of the highlights of my life and TSN called and they're like, Hey, we want to air it. And Whoa, I was like, Oh my God. That's huge. Yes, this is so cool. But we shot it in standard definition. Cause oh, we were in Regina, shit. Saskatchewan. And I was so mad. I was like livid at my boss. I was like, why are we not in fucking HD yet? Like, oh my God, I would have been in tears. Documentary. Oh, I was, Yeah, I was like, I was pretty, he was like, well, like, you know, just nice to have the attention. I'm like, no, doesn't mean shit anyway yeah let's have the follow through let's like yes attention cool but like
1: let's get the follow through not like hey i almost got to do this thing that's really annoying that feels like that would have been like one of those like make or break moments where you're like oh my god i put all this hard work in now it's gonna be on tsm that's amazing
0: yeah so that was pretty shitty obviously i have forgotten about that um but uh they octagon and rick introduced me to their manager uh one of their entertainment guys like this guy john ferritor and so uh I didn't know how any of this stuff worked, right? They're like, come on down
1: to Who LA. Does? I still
0: don't. Yeah, I didn't know. I was like, are you guys like flying me down here? They're like, no, honey, like you're going to get your own flight, come down and stay in like a hotel. And I was like, OK. And so I went um, and then they took me to like all these meetings everywhere. FS1, like local places, Access Hollywood, all these. And I was like, I don't know what to say. Like, I like Alice Cooper. I shouldn't be at Access Hollywood. Like, I don't.
1: <laughs> I'm God, not- I remember auditioning at Access Hollywood one time, too. And I was like, mm, I think this
0: is a pass. <laughs> I think this is not the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And then honestly, when I went to FS1, it was like it felt so right. Like, I walked in there. Everyone was so nice. Obviously, it's on a, like, Fox lot. And then they were asking me tons of questions about Jay and Dan, who, of course, you know, from TSN. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys know Jay and Dan? Like, I'm obsessed with those guys. They're like, yeah. They're like, what else about them do you like? I was like, God, everything. I was just like then talking to Jay and Dan forever, not thinking like, oh, they're going to hire them. And so I left that. And then they're like, send us some more of your work, blah, 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 I did. And then they threw me down for an audition. And I'll never forget, like. Was this with like Jacob Ullman? Was he part of that? Yep, Almond was there. Uh, He's probably the only one still there. Oh yeah, I didn't even know any of these guys. Like I'm in a room with like Eric Shanks is the head honcho and a couple other guys that were there. And I like, I had zero idea what, I was in a murderer's row room of people and I'm like, I like curling. like, <laughs> You know, whatever. It probably was like, whatever, refreshing that I was just like, I don't know how I got here or whatever. I'm definitely not going to get this job. And then, so came back down for the audition and, and I'll never forget me and this other woman who were who were staying at the hotel. My audition was at 6 a.m. What? Yeah, 6 a.m. I was like, okay, definitely not sleeping tonight. To go through
1: hair and makeup or like you were on camera at No, I did
0: my own hair and makeup and then like to get picked up at the hotel. And I was like with her and she, we were both wearing like the same outfit, but like she had brown hair and blonde hair. I was wearing a blue dress. She had red dress. We had like nude heels on and like, a black blazer and I was like okay so we're all 100% like the same type of person and she's like so where where are you coming from I'm like um Canada she's like where I was like Saskatchewan it's like above North Dakota and she's like oh where like I know Hazel May I worked with her like where I was like Regina like she knew how small a town I was coming from then I was like yeah okay She's like, yeah, I'm at Nesson, like something, you know, big in Boston. I was like, cool, cool, yeah, I got no chance. And then I, we went through everything, and uh, I'll never forget being in like the makeup area where they just like did touch ups, and they're like, do you want fake eyelashes? I was like, oh no, I don't want something to interfere with me reading the teleprompter. Like <laughs> ah, like what
1: now? Oh I'd be like, oh my god, what I
0: yeah. <laughs> I was so I, the
1: same for the longest time. I didn't know about fake eyelashes. I had not a fucking clue. I had no idea that that was like a thing. I didn't know how hair extensions work. Like not a clue. Thank God somebody smartened me up.
0: I know the eyelashes thing. I was like, I can't have something like, in like what if it gets in my eye? And I'm trying to read and I'm like, oh no. I have a job to do. Don't you understand? Yeah, I, have a, I have a job to
1: do.
0: <laughs> and then I asked the makeup woman, I was like, Oh, you know, making conversation like, do you have a busy day? You know, you got any more people? And she just like points to a list on the wall that had like 500,000 people's names. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I'll just
1: take a little anti shine and be on my way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I saw some really big names on there, too. I was like, Okay, they obviously made a mistake, which I'm still pretty sure they did anyway. Whatever. Did the audition and then just didn't think about it afterward. And then about a month later, like. My agent was like, yeah, they want to hire you. I was like, oh, jokes. But yeah, I think that also probably came for like a different amount of money than any of those other women who had been working in the States would have ever even entertained where I was like, you know, I would have paid to go there.
1: Hey, that's 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 how it goes, right? There's always somebody younger than you that'll take the job for less money. That's I hate that, oh, I I hate that shit, show. too. I'm I like- fucking hate it. I remember the first time I heard that. I had never heard that phrase before. And I was like, wait, excuse me. It's horrible.
0: I was like, no, I'm just living in like poverty and like butt fuck nowhere. Like that's <laughs> that's difference where I Plug wasn't me I from been, Regina, like, please. People were great there. It was, you know, very friendly, awesome town. But like I had applied for jobs in Barrie and Winnipeg back again, like to CTVs and Edmonton nope, not even a callback. And I was like, am I destined to be here forever? Like not even after two years? I feel like, I mean, I know you obviously
1: have like representation and whatnot, but like, I feel like you go to bat for yourself all the time. Like you're booking meetings, you're taking things like you really, it seems to me and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you very much. So have your career in your own hands.
0: Does it feel that way to you? Yeah. I'd say for like what I, what I, um, the things that like, I know I'm like very interested in doing, I'll be like, okay, I know I got to get this as this, this or like to these people or do this or that or that. And then I've always told people, cause you know, people that ask about agents and whatnot, they're like, oh, I need an agent to do this as this, this. I'm like, agents are amazing. They'll get your name in the room. If you are high on their list or like, you know, figure that out, your relationship with them. But I'm like, I will not leave it up to them to do it all because they have a lot of clients and other things they're going to do. So if I can be like, hey, I've got a lead on something or I know something, now can you follow up? Or like, I think of them as like a glorified attorney in a way. And my current guy is awesome. And I just, I mean, actually the one that got me to the States, he sadly passed away about three years ago, right before he did my deal with Fubo and he died that week. And it was like, so just really random. And I was like, oh my God. I remember before he died, he was like, you have to put everything into this. He said for the first six months, it's been three years of putting everything into it. But I was like, um, he's like, or it won't work. And he was also the one that told me to like take it because he started Arsenio Hall's show and worked with Seacrest and Chelsea Handler and stuff. He's like, it's very difficult. Not often that you get offered your own show. And he's like, you are. And I had had another job to do something like, kind of like an anchor type of thing. And he's like, do something different. And then he died. So I always think about him with like, all this stuff, these awards. But yeah, anyways, yeah, long story short. with uh, I, I always tell like younger kids, like get someone that believes in you and the day. It doesn't matter about the letters. It doesn't matter. I always think about also who else they represent or who their connections are. But like, I just want someone who's like, Julie Stewart Binks, yeah. Like, I can't wait to go into this room and be like, I have JSB, not like, well, we also got this Julia or whatever, you know, like, well, not or or even doing that. Like, sometimes they don't do that. (laughs) It just doesn't
1: even come (laughs) up at all. Oh my gosh. I know it's really stressful because I feel like a lot of times, like I know for me, when I was first starting, I put a lot of weight into like, I need to be at this agency. I need to be with this person. I need to do this thing because I felt like that just really meant so much. And it does. It definitely carries some weight, but you think like, okay, I've got that one thing. Now everything else must just come together, right? Now I get to go be Arsenio Hall or Chelsea Handler or whatever. It's like, When's that phone call coming? What's happening with that? What's going on? Um, but no, I mean for you to be able to to have your own show to do drinks with Binks,
0: which I got to be on by the way. You were our like first guest on the show because we had we were like launching that day. I remember, but we saved your thing for yeah. That was yeah. That was yeah. That's right. Doing stuff in person because obviously I've been here for three.
1: I know. Years, me too. Whatever it is now. So, how was it for you being able to cover the Stanley Cup? This was so cool. You and Jackie Redman, you guys got to go and hit the road together. Like you've got to do so many amazing things during your career, but we'll we'll get into to doing uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs because you are fresh on the heels of that. What was that whole experience like for you?
0: Honestly, it was awesome. It was like it it was so wild and crazy and like jam packed. But for the show that we got to do together, which was. Such a product of literally being like at a bar and kind of like pitching the idea to someone just because we're like, hey, and there's a couple other people, why don't we do this or whatever? And then it it was funny because like we, Jackie was obviously there for NHL Network. When we were trying to figure out like punishments for picking the wrong teams, like, you know, I made the shirt that like I was wrong or then. I had to make one when it was like, I too was wrong. And I'd be like, people would be like working during the day. And I'm at like Target getting like Sharpies, like writing out these shirts. So ratchet, but it like actually worked. That was Jackie. (laughs) Jackie gave me that idea. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to find like a t-shirt printing store. She's like, just like write it on a a t-shirt. I'm like, so true. Like that's way more also like fun too, to just like have that. And it was great because it was very much like improvised television for, half an hour. So, you know, we would just be standing there and then we'd like see a guest come up and it would be like, okay, they like come on. And like, we would just like cheers microphones because people didn't know that we didn't have like commercial breaks. We'd be like, okay, so you exit now and the next person will come in. So we had, we had a lot of fun with that. It was very authentically like kind of who we were and who we are. And just even some of the moments, like there's such a great video of Jackie when she puts the, I was wrong shirt on for the first time. And it's like how she's like basically a, a, a WWE like diva, and she just like grabs the microphone and she's like, "I was wrong. I was wrong. Okay." Like, I, and I was like, "I you, I can hear myself laughing like how I laugh when I'm so like I'm like I'm like laughing like giggling like a schoolgirl." I was it's like I loved that she got so into it, and there were a couple of times that we had those moments where you're like this is live TV, or you know, we're we're like, oh. We're making mistakes on stats or things like that. And it's like, that's just like what it is. And so I love that kind of format of like, oh, yeah, who is the who is it on that line? And they're like, yeah, whatever. If, you know, put it in the comments. It's hard to be in
1: a position like that, because especially as like a woman, because it's very much if you if you do flub something like that, it's like, oh, I knew she didn't know what she was talking about. I knew it but it's cool to be able to be in that relaxed environment. And obviously everyone knows that, you know, your shit, everyone knows that Jackie knows her shit. So it's cool to be able to, to rely on that and just be able to have fun and not have to be so like hard and fast on like this stat, this stat, these X's and O's you can just like, let that shit fall to the wayside and be like humans that enjoy the sport.
0: Agreed. And Jackie was so on point to just like very much, you know, from the improv world, yes. And everything like, there are moments where I was like, it's the first time we'd ever worked together before. So it was like, I'd be throwing curveballs at her. She wouldn't know how my personality is or like what I would say. And she would just like, she would go with it and like make fun of herself. I make fun of myself. We make fun of each other. And I like that after she has been in environments that are so professional, she was able to like really just like be herself with me and it not be like, I've been with people where they're like worried, like, oh, man, my boss is going to kill me for saying that this is like, no, like she had the confidence to just be herself and do all that. And I love that because I was like, this is great. You know, we had we and I felt like by the end, we kind of like figured it out because, you know, beginning you're like, try, I told her, I was like it's like trying to dance with someone in middle school. You're we like, Buh. or like anytime. You're just like, which way are you going?
1: How close are we get and where are we putting our
0: hands? Yeah. yeah. What, where are you putting your feet? What's going on? Or anytime <laughs> dancing. Yeah, like, I can't. Um, <laughs> but that was, that was really cool to do that. And all of these things sort of came to fruition randomly. And even doing the conference final with the NHL third period live show in studio came a little bit randomly. And then getting to do TNT Turner stuff in the first round was like absolutely a dream come true and that came also super like late like the week before and getting to do Toronto and Tampa and I remember telling my agent to tell them like they know I'm from Toronto right like I just want that to be out there (laughs) (laughs) like I have videos of me as a Leafs fan um and they're like no like we like the idea that like you understand the fan base and can kind of like talk about basically like the strife that they've been through. It's like well, okay cool and so then doing those two games was like it was just it was just so it felt so good like this is what I'll say is so I remember looking at the camera that was like up in the stands like for some of my hits and being so excited to go on air yeah. and say what I wanted to say there's been so many times you're like I'm like, don't fuck up, don't fuck yeah. up. Everyone in a bar is watching you right now and they're going to see if you fuck up and you're going to be a meme. Like that would be me <laughs> when I used to do sideline <laughs> reporting. Like that's so toxic. <laughs> but after doing like the MMA show that I did for two months, I'd never done an MMA beyond like whatever, like a quick read or something on a highlight show and having to like learn that so well and like obviously no prompt or no nothing and have to like look at a camera live on air and be like, This is what's going on. These are the stories, like, coming up with it. And and I learned how to, like, really enjoy that moment. Football fans,
1: check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the Volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even... An occasional golf tip john has you covered download three and out with john Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network jim jones i'm so excited to have you on the show first of all it was just your birthday happy belated birthday thank
2: you very much
1: what did you do for your birthday what was the what was the uh, festivities looking like
2: i kind of kept it kind of simple i had uh little crab legs and champagne by the pool for some of the closest people i deal with and then um they had a surprise party for me downtown and one of the rooftops and mary j blige fabulous fat joe a few, few people came by to wish me happy birthday it was pretty dope
1: amazing oh my god crab legs and champagne sign me up for that party that sounds so chic Ah. So you kind of need the carbs when you're throwing back like a bunch of champagne. The seafood ain't going to cut it. Throw a couple crackers into the mix, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, let's talk your body. I want to talk about this body. You just left the gym. You are constantly posting the videos, working out, getting shredded. You're like in all the magazines, getting your flex on. What inspired getting into the gym, bulking up in and getting this physique? Because you look great.
2: The first thing that inspired me was when I got with my lady a long time ago. She was like, you're way too skinny. So she was the first person to actually take me to the gym and get me acclimated to working out in a real way.
1: What is her background? Did she, like, is she, she knows what she's doing fitness-wise?
2: She taught me pretty much what I knew to, to get me started. Um, she's been in the gym for for as long as I've known her, so she's always been in a bit of shape. Um, I was a little bit like 160 soaking wet when I met her. <laughs> <laughs> got to put some pounds on you, boo. So it was a good thing. Um, I stuck with it. 19 years later, I'm still doing it. Um, good for and you. it's good. It's the fountain of youth, closest thing to the fountain of youth anyway.
1: I completely agree. Keep that metabolism going. Keep the body moving. How does that conversation go, though? When you have your woman telling you you got to bulk up a little bit. What? <laughs> My husband would die if I told him that. Not that he needs to. He's a beefy man already. But what is that conversation like?
2: I just met her. So I guess it was it it really wasn't nothing. But I definitely didn't want to be the the skinny dude and have your lady looking at all the dudes that was in shape. So I try to cut that down as much as I can. That's why I I stay in the gym.
1: What is like your advice to someone that's getting in the gym? Because it can be very daunting if you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where to start. Definitely like good to have somebody to steer you in the right direction. What would you suggest?
2: The first thing I would tell them is make sure you get to the gym. That's the most important part. Because once you get to the gym, you're gonna work out. You're gonna do something. That's the that's the, the very first ingredient I would tell someone. Just get to the gym. It's the most important part. Also the hardest part is to get there.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I actually try to like Jedi mind trick myself as soon as I get up. I put on my workout clothes, just insinuating that at some point during the day I will hit a couple squats, I'll do a little bit of cardio, something. Needs to happen. I think having a good outfit at the gym, at least from a woman's point of view, if I get new gym clothes, you damn well better believe I'm going to be making more trips to the gym if I'm feeling good.
2: That's a great ingredient for women because Chrissy does that also. She needs new gym clothes every month in order to feel inspired so she can go to- him. So definitely new gym clothes is, is definitely a thing.
1: What is going on in your world right now? What, uh, what, what are the things that you're up to currently, aside from the gym and, and coming off of the uh, birthday celebrations?
2: I put an album out beginning of the summer. The uh, Lobby Boys um, currently jumped from 54 to 50 on Billboard. I have a platform called Quarantine Studios, which um, I was fortunate enough to to create. uh. This technology with AWS, which is pretty good. So we're in the middle of building the front half of the platform. There's so much that I've been doing. Movies, fitness. uh,
1: You do everything. You're like fascinating to me. You are not a person to be put in a box. You do a little bit of everything. Even from like doing fashion shows like Paris Fashion Week. Like what was that experience like for you?
2: Paris was dope. Um, I haven't been to Paris in so long, so that was a real great feeling, especially to be walking on a, on a runway for the off-white fashion show. God bless Virgil's soul. Um, I had so many conversations with this uh, with this young man before we had, had lost him. Um, and Just to know that he still kept his promise solid after he was gone and I got to actually walk in a Paris runway show was definitely, definitely one of the bucket list things for me. That was a great situation.
1: So you had talked to him before that you really wanted to, to walk the runway for him?
2: Yeah, we talk a lot uh, about fashion and ideas. He was a very big fan of the whole diplomat uh, movement. Um, so we gave him a lot of inspiration from when he was coming up. So we had a lot of in common and fashion was definitely one of them. And, um, He kept his word, So I got to walk in Paris runway show. I don't know how many more I'll do, but I definitely got one. So that's good enough for me.
1: Gosh, did you take time to like really reflect on the fact that you got to do that, but also just like your relationship with Virgil to be able to do that after his passing, what was, what was that like afterwards to just kind of celebrate what you got to do and in his legacy?
2: I mean, it was great just to be able to walk out there and uh, see that different type of world of fashion and things like that was pretty much my introduction to that level of fashion. Um, and he still kept his word to know that he let people know how cool that we were for his word to be kept after he was gone. Because, you know, Jim Jones probably doesn't hold too much weight inside of a Virgil, the Virgil of our room. But, you know,
1: I wouldn't go that far because you looked great. Like, I feel like you like I saw like the sheer purple shirt. Like you looked <laughs> like you belonged out there. I feel like it was a hell of a look. <laughs> that Prince vibe. <laughs>
2: I think I'm too heavy, I too bulky to actually be a, a runway model, but I take I take whatever they give me. <laughs>
1: if only to call back those 160 days, right? Now you gotta worry about where you're gonna put all this beef.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, fashion-wise, now, what do you love? What's your go-to? If you were like going out to dinner, you're taking your woman out, what is like, what's your what's your outfit look like on a day like that?
2: I'm not really the the dressy, dressy type of guy, more of like the freshy, freshy type of guy. Um, Harlem, we got this thing where we just do what we like and we do what we consider fly. So average day probably just completely start with uh, a brand new pair of all-white Air Force ones, and then we'll take it, man. It can go any direction. It can go uh, Dolce & Gabbana suit. It could go jeans and a nice shirt. It could go jeans and a white T-shirt with some jewelry. It depends on how I'm feeling that day.
1: I need you to talk to me about the Air Force Ones because this is a look that I try to do and I just don't think that it's for me. And I try and I try and I always circle the drain on it. I'm like, let's put the sneakers back on, see if I can pull off this look. And I just feel like I'm not doing a good job. What is, um, do you have any advice of how to pull off this sneaker look and still keeping it like feminine and cute?
2: Well, you know, uh, Air Force Ones is a staple of, the harlem community and for females they do it also um they, definitely- they
1: look great when i see them on other people i think it's adorable as soon as i put it on me i'm like oh <laughs> i don't know that this is working for me
2: you can't be too serious with it it's the it's has right. gotta dress up fun with it you know what i mean like you might put on one of your flyest dresses and then throw on a pair of swans with a with a nice with a nice purse and everything would just be just fine
1: it looks so good. And I don't know if it's because I'm like a new mom that I feel like I look like I'm doing the mom thing when I do that. I don't know.
2: Well, now's the perfect season. Sundressy, a uh, long button down t-shirt. So your boyfriend with the air, like there's so many ways you could dress that up. Yeah,
1: Okay. I in. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to go back to the drawing board because I've got them here. And I really want to pull this off. I'm doing my best. Um, talk to me about the pink and how much you guys really inspired pink in fashion and making that such a such a hot look.
2: Um, we definitely made pink a cool color inside of fashion. This is a uh, dip sex color. Uh, red, white, and blue and pink are our colors. And pink, we kind of we took responsibility for that long, long time ago. Um, they say masculine men on the men to be able to wear pink. Well, we showed so many men to be masculine by putting pink on in so many different ways, shades and fashion, you know, and we still do it to this day as I have a closet full of pink accessories that I like to put on pink Air Force Ones, pink shirt, pink shorts, pink hoodie, a bunch of pink in there.
1: I love me some pink. I'm on a big pink kick right now too. keep it coming. It just never, I don't feel like it ever really goes out of fashion, but especially now with like more of like the neon colors that are out there, but a man in pink is a sharp look.
2: I'm a fan of the bright pink, like the bright neon pinks is pretty dope.
1: Well, kudos to you guys then. Thank you for making it cool <laughs> all those years ago. <laughs> um, so I was reading as I was getting ready for this interview that you saved one of your friends' lives, Jerry Fleet. What happened? You, you went and performed CPR. What happened here?
2: Uh, we were in Miami, um, just finished a hell of a day, uh, ended up winding down by the pool. I'm on the phone. Um, I hear somebody screaming frantically, Jim, Jim, um, I turn around and I'm like, why would y'all be screaming my name in these situations? Like, am I supposed <laughs> to turn around and fix this? Like, what the fuck, man? But I turn around and I see my friend really in a bad position where he can't breathe. He's drooling at the mouth. His eyes are rolling in the back of his head. He's falling out of seat. And I was fortunate enough to take CPR classes when my little sister was a baby because she was a miracle baby. So we had to learn about what to do because she had a heart problem or a, a heart murmur. She is the oldest person this year with her condition, and her condition is a very serious condition. She's 37 right now. She's a miracle woman. So I've learned God uh, through that from a young age, and I just administrated what they told me to do, God on my side. It felt like God took my hands and, and, and showed me to do, and play this passageway. Was able to breathe, snap back. He didn't know what happened, but God is good, and He only calls those that He needs at that time. He didn't need flee because he knew I needed him more.
1: Oh my gosh! And everyone shouting your name—that all of a sudden you need to be the authority on CPR. Thank God you knew what you were doing.
2: Thank God. I thank God. Oh, thank God. Both ways. Because God was with me.
1: That is like my fear. I'm literally like hot right now imagining that happening. Like I have a 13-month-old daughter. Remember my mom said that to me at one point. She's like, you should take a CPR class just in case. And I have not done that. But I 100% should. It's so
2: simple. You could go online and take a CPR class for three days out the week instead of a half an hour class. Takes like three sessions to get to, to get done. But it's it's something great to need, to have the knowledge of. You never know where you might be, you never know who might need your help. You never like so I, I encourage everybody to learn a little bit. It don't take too much of the time. It's not like going to school to become a doctor.
1: Okay, so your sister, what is the condition that she has?
2: I don't know the exact name of it. Um, but I know she was born with a severe heart mama. and when she was born, they gave us the choice When she was being born, they gave us the choice <laughs> that we should try to keep her alive or let life take its course and we opted to keep her alive and that was 37 years ago when she wasn't even supposed to make it
1: that's crazy it's so crazy when you hear stories like that and like i know for me i always just assume that people in the medical world know what's best and you lean into that assuming that they know what's what but for you to like go the other way and say no no Obviously, we're keeping your your sister, but like that, holy wow! For her to make it to thirty seven, that's amazing, and she's doing good, feeling good.
2: But she's the strongest woman that I've I've met in my life. She's really like Wonder Woman. I mean this this girl gets up and texts about a hundred people every morning, inspirational quotes. You never will ever tell that she's in pain because she doesn't say she's in pain. She's more worried about the happiness of how we doing than her own self. Like she's selfless, like she's a dope girl. Um, so you know. When she's living life. She's happy. She's smiling. She was, she was at my party the other night and Mary J. Blige came in, who's absolutely the queen to her, her favorite artist of all time. So that was like bucket list for her. Like you should The smile on her face or something you can't buy. And that made me feel very happy.
1: That's so cool. I love that. Um, well, yeah, you're definitely not a person to put in a box. I mean, whether you look at your music career, your acting career, your your modeling career, you have dabbled in so many things. But one thing that I think is so cool is that you did this off-Broadway musical. How did this come about for you to do that and like get everything together to get that up and running? That's amazing.
2: You used to be signed to these major labels. They still do it now. Every time you have an album coming out, they have these elaborate listening sessions that you use your marketing budget for. Um, I wanted to do something different than just have a party in one of these dope spots and let people listen to music and be drunk. I wanted people to get into... well this album was about, all my albums are pretty much themed about things and the place I was in, at in life during that time. And I wanted people to see where I was at in life. And I was like, maybe we can do a musical where I'm actually performing these records as opposed to just playing, having a DJ playing and we mingling. Um, they added a, a play director who was familiar with doing plays and ended up turning into a full-on musical. I believe it was... 52 minutes, I believe it was. 25 cast members off Broadway twice for two weeks, one week. And every time we did it, we sold completely out. This is before Hamilton and all of these was doing these type of plays. Um, But as a hip hop artist, you don't know the ins and outs of Broadway. But I do believe that if I did that, I would have a Broadway hit something like Cats. Because the New York Times gave me, two thumbs up in the theatrical section, was pretty good for a play, especially off-roadway play.
1: Yeah, like that's amazing to be able to check off that bucket list and like being a guy from New York and just like even if you don't know about the theater Broadway scene, you pass it all the time. It's a thing that you like know in your periphery. So for you to like dive into that world and to receive the like the reviews that you did for that, that's yeah, to have like a cast of twenty five as well. What was it like working with all those people and like seeing them perform your work?
2: I respect every actor that does Broadway plays because to rehearse that it took me two months, eight hours a day, literally. I was rehearsing. Obama was became president, and we came outside in the streets filled up with people going absolutely crazy. As some. Some of the dope actors come through and give me some advice. But the rehearsal was really rigorous. Like this wasn't a game to be played. Like you really had to learn what it was to be on stage and your mark. And when the exit stage, exit right, exit left, lights. All these things is what I've got to know. So I'm <laughs> yeah. pretty familiar with how a play runs. So in the future, hopefully I can bring this play back up and add some new scenes to it as far as where my life been and really do a, a Broadway.
1: God, that's that really is like some bucket list when you've done so many things already and you have this amazing resume, all this work to sit on and then to dabble into another world. I think just like artist to artist and moving into different worlds. I mean, you can't help but just get the respect of everybody else from that world to just see you dive into it like that. That's so cool. Lot to chew on, too. It's a lot. Um, Reality TV. I did a small stint on reality television, doing a show called Total Divas, uh, featuring wrestlers from WWE. How did you like doing reality TV?
2: It was a new venture for me. I actually coined it. I, I created it for the for our culture with love of hip hop. Uh, that was my whole show, my whole idea. Um, I was so high strung and getting so much money at the time. Uh, reality tv was like taboo to the rappers so for me to dive into it i wasn't as serious about the business as i should have been and also my lady chrissy at that time was supposed to do a reality show that kind of fell through so i know vh1 was on my back so i told her like listen if we could get a reality show that's built around what we got going on in our relationship and i'm gonna do it um lo and behold we went in there they loved the concept um a couple of people that i had in my management ended up leaving management and turning in the producers of the show. Um, and that's kind of how I kind of lost my whole position in that, but I still was so preoccupied with everything else. I was more worried about making my lady happy for something that she was interested in. Um, but for the most part, I've helped numerous and numerous and numerous amounts of people put money in your pocket. Also helped numerous people turn into uh, characters from the TV <laughs> television. I've created a whole new world of people to make money inside of our culture. Um, I don't think people get that anybody that's on that show even right now they should be high-fiving me and thanking me every time <laughs> it would be none of that if I didn't create it literally
1: what do you think is a success for somebody to to go on reality television and to make it work because it's not for everybody and for you to be able to go on and have the track record you've had and make other stars out of it what do you think that's about
2: I don't know. It's dysfunctional TV. It's not going to work for everybody. Only the few people that people uh, gravitate to are the people that are actually going to excel outside of the television world. And if you know how to sell yourself on camera, it's also a great thing. You got to know what you're looking at. and You got to know what they're looking at. Um, And that was one thing that we understood from being able to make money on camera from sponsors and things like that to how to curate our dysfunction. Like, cause it's not dysfunction. This is curated dysfunction. We know what we want to give you all at the end of the day with a little mishaps and things like that. Um. But like you said, it's not, it's something that's not gonna work for everybody. Everybody doesn't make it to the NBA, everybody doesn't make it to the NFL. This is just like college and it's like college almost to get to a bigger league from using television to get into mainstream. So it's cool. But it's the greatest place for marketing and promo is to be on television. You know what I mean? Football players and basketball players are two different things. You know all the basketball players because you can see them. You don't know none of the football players because they got helmets on. And that's how I always used to take it.
1: Oh, interesting. I've never thought about it that way. That does make perfect sense. So you're right. I mean, just to have that visibility is really everything. Um, How was it for your relationship, having that on television and you guys kind of working together?
2: As tight as we were, sometimes it would take us for a loop. There's no way around it. It's <laughs> yeah, I, you know I know. mean, it's inevitable <laughs> when you're living in a real relationship that we are. We definitely not putting on for television. A lot of things that we talk about were things that we really were in the midst of going through or things that we were trying to figure out. So sometimes it got besides us, but for the most part, we still together. We still love each other. We didn't let the exploitation of television coming between us, our love was a little bit stronger than that.
1: God, it's such a fine line, though, when you're, like, trying to do good television and you want to, like, harp on things that are real, but, like, how much of it's going to be real? It's it's a real great, area. you guys have to have, like, a family meeting, like, before and after each scene to, like, check in where everybody's at.
2: Yes, because, you know, you, the, the media and the people take everything out of consciousness and just blows it out of proportion. You know what I mean? Ten times over. So it's like you got to be very careful. But for the most part, if you're confident in who you are, reality television won't take away from anything. It'll just add to what you've got going on.
1: Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there. And you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well so we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in. Chime in. Leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.